0: what's up everybody welcome to episode two of the remote gaming podcast as always i am one of your hosts joseph king joining me is my illustrious other host, kevin corkham hey everybody <laughs> what's up <laughs> my bad i should have gave you the name but it's all good no, you're fine i was i usually always come in but i was
1: i don't know what i was waiting for how's everybody doing oh, we got a good uh- episode for you today
0: yeah, it's it's going to be good. Uh, for those that don't know how uh, Remote Gaming Podcast works, uh, Kevin is on the other side of the country in Florida. I am in Texas. We're recording through the wonderful powers of the internet and we can't see each other. So there is bound to be some uh, Q errors here and there. But uh, like Kevin said, we got a good episode for you guys this week. Uh, a little bit of a slow news week, but uh, we're gonna kind of run through the news first, like we always like to get that out of the way and then me and Kevin'll talk about what we've been playing and make sure you guys stick around for our main topic and we're gonna just kind of discuss our you know our open world games causing you know that fatigue are we getting tired of seeing and playing in these open world games yeah so,
1: uh it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting i've got I've got some interesting things to say about open world fatigue so
0: For sure. I think think it's a catch 22. Um, Kevin, why don't you go ahead and run us through our first news topic of the week.
1: All right. So The Last of Us 2 had a gameplay reveal uh, this last week and review copies are out. It is under embargo. Strange. We didn't get our review copy from Sony. So weird. I you know, uh, right? The we're best the number one podcast ever. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know what's up with that, but maybe I'll, I'll. I'll hit my my boys at PlayStation up see if I can get a copy if I knew it.
1: <laughs> yeah, our super connections. But
0: uh, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the gameplay. A little.
1: They they talked about some of the changes that they've made for the Last of Us Two. Obviously, you are uh, now controlling Ellie, so she has different skills than uh, Joel did. I mean, Joel was big and strong, and Ellie's has to be a little bit more nimble. So.
0: They were talking about the gameplay changes. Uh, I don't know. Have you seen it? Did you see it, Joseph? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I was. I caught the last trailer that they had did recently. Um, as the the evolution of the combat looks fantastic. It looks like Ellie can do a lot more than Joel was able to do in the first game. Yes,
1: they they've added a designated jump button, so now you can get height advantage on enemies, which is going to be huge. Uh, You can also crawl under small spaces, uh, like vehicles or um, you know debris, things like that. uh, That Neil Druckmann was talking about. They had to find a way to give Ellie more of an advantage because she didn't have that brute strength; like she couldn't go toe to toe with everybody like Joel could. So it looks very interesting. I'm. A little uh, skeptical is not the word. I'm interested to see how that they, how they can marry that gameplay with the old gameplay from The Last of Us. If it is going to be slower because you can't take as many bullets and you can't fist fight people as frequently as you could with Joel. Right. Um, but we'll, uh, time will tell. I'm excited. I know people are playing it right now. I'm jealous. I really wish I could be playing this game. Uh, obviously. I think the embargo's up a week before it comes out. So I think that's the 12th, right? June 12th? Yeah, June June 12th, yeah. Everyone's going to be putting their reviews up and everything. So uh, I'm excited to see it. I I think it's going to be really great. And I don't think that Ellie's going to be the only playable character. I'm going to make that prediction now. I have a feeling we will be able to play as either Joel or another character. It is not just going to be Ellie. I don't think that that would be... The Last of Us, I think at some point you're going to have to play as somebody else. So it'll be interesting to see if they have different gameplay mechanics for that character. Uh, I think they might do something similar to what they did with The Last of Us 1. Or I got to think that you control Joel at some point. I have to think that.
0: You know, I I think so too. Um, I think think as far as those mechanics go from the first game, I think they're going to be very similar in the aspect that You know, uh, you start the game playing as Ellie, obviously, and then maybe you'll transition to one of the, uh, other ancillary characters, or like you said, Joel, uh, the combat looks better. I do like what I've seen so far from the HUD. I am a big fan of, uh, minimalistic HUDs, uh, not being able to take up so much space on my screen. As long as I know, like kind of where I'm going, like a general direction, um, I just don't like a lot of gameplay hints. Once you kind of get the mechanics of the controls down, you don't really need those hints to uh, continue forward. So I hope it stays minimalistic HUD like we've seen through a lot of the uh, previews. And But at the same time, that could be for the cinematic effect they're going for with the trailers and things like that.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's going to be interesting to see the uh, the HUD. I, I'm with you. I don't like Gameplay hints. I don't like all that stuff. I go in and turn them off almost immediately. If I'm about an hour two hours into a game that I don't know and haven't played before, but I've played enough games that things start to make sense. You know, you just, okay, you understand you have to go here. Oh, there must be a way that I can get up there or whatever. And you kind of figure it out uh, along the way. So I think The Last of Us does a good job at teaching you. At the beginning, you know, you run in that that one scenario where they kind of you can crawl here and you can do this, and then from there on out, it's you're on your own, figure it. it out. You know, yeah. you either remember the k- mechanics or you don't. So uh, I'm excited about that. I love how they don't hold your hand at Naughty Dog.
0: That's yeah, that's one good thing. And, and I mean, it, 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 if you play the game on like easy and some of those other levels, yeah, it, it is very handholding. But that's kind of what an easy mode is about. But I played, you know, The Last of Us on hard and grounded and. There's definitely no handholding there. One of my favorite things that I want to say about the uh, that I saw this week, this past week of them talking about like the Sony had tweeted uh, introducing a designated jump button for Ellie and Corey Barlog, the director of God of War at Sony Santa Monica retweeted it and said, what are you trying to say? Because he took <laughs> he took Kratos's jump button away from him in, <laughs> in the uh, 2018 version of God of War. So I just thought that was kind of kind of a cute little uh, uh, play with that they were having going on with each other. That little, is really funny. I love joking.
1: Corey Barlog is great. His Twitter is uh, is A plus. If you don't follow him, go follow him. For uh, go sure. type in Corey Barlog. All right, let's yep. get into our second news topic here. Uh, this is about, and I found this very interesting. It kind of popped. A lot of major outlets didn't pick it up, but a lot of YouTubers did. This is about uh, the streaming platforms numbers during this quarantine COVID nineteen pandemic,
0: right? Which you think would so, be up. Uh, I'm
1: which sorry. You
0: think which you think would be up and higher. Uh, Given that a lot more people are home, and and so
1: I have numbers for Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, and Mixer here. Now it's a little. Bear with me; it's a little hard to explain. There are two columns. There's the hours watched of last year in 2019 of April, and then hours watched this year in 2020, April 2020. Right? So Twitch last year did 75 or 750 million hours watched. (sighs) This year they did over 1,491 billion hours watched so they're up holy 100%
0: shit holy
1: shit that is insane they are up 100% right year over year growth that's massive that's,
0: ins- that's insane that, like that people watched more twitch in the month of april than any other form of entertainment probably like right like doesn't that sound like an ungodly amount of hours watched
1: it does. It sounds, it sounds ridiculous. Now, I don't know how this compares to television or Hulu or different TV shows and things like that, because Twitch is an entire platform. You might have to compare it to Hulu or Netflix. something of Netflix, right? Netflix probably trumps them, obviously, I would assume. But maybe your smaller ones like Hulu or Amazon Prime might be you know, similar hours watch. Now, let's go to YouTube gaming. So last year in 2019, in April, they had 279 million. This year they had four hundred and sixty one million hours watched. That's a sixty five percent growth. That's still phenomenal. Right? Right. Now they're being dwarfed, of course, by mix or by Twitch, right? Twitch is the king.
0: I have a question. I have a question real quick is, yes. so is YouTube gaming? Like if you just go to YouTube, is there a section? Cause I have like my channels that I follow for gaming info and things like that. But mm-hmm. is there a section called YouTube gaming? Is there a specific app? Like how does that work? Or is it just counting, uh, accounting for people playing games and streaming them live? So
1: it is embedded into YouTube. So if you search for, let's say you had a gaming channel, right? You were a YouTuber and you were live. If I typed in your name, it would pop up with your live video. There is a whole, it's very similar to Twitch, the infrastructure, um, but you do kind of have to search to get people that are live. They start throwing them up for you. If you watch a lot of gaming content, they'd be like, oh, this person's live, you know, and you see their little thumbnail and you can click, but... It's, it's not like Twitch where you go in and kind of see everything all at once. There is a section where if you click on it, it is that. But for the average person to stumble across, uh, it's not as easy as Twitch because Twitch is just a live streaming platform. Um, but obviously, I mean, congrats to YouTube. 65% growth is is huge. I mean, that's that's big. And if they can retain some of those viewers, it would be really great. Now, let's move on to Facebook gaming. So I have a uh, a friend of a friend who streams on Facebook, and the thing that people say they like about streaming on Facebook is that they have an embedded audience already in all of their Facebook friends. So when I scroll on my Facebook, I see that Daryl is streaming. He's always streaming Apex and I see it. I pop in, say, you know, watch him play a couple matches or whatever and pop out. So they have kind of that infrastructure already because all of your Facebook friends are going to see that you're live because Facebook in the algorithms puts it a little bit higher. Okay. So there's that. So the hours watched in 2019, they had 86 million hours watched in April, 2020, they had 291 million. So that is a 238% year over year growth. That's good. So don't sleep on Facebook gaming just yet. I kind of wrote it off. Uh, Clearly, they're doing doing really well. Now, they're doing similar to what YouTube gaming did in 2019, which is... At this point, right? Yeah. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Let's go to Mixer. Let's go to Mixer. Poor, poor Mixer. In hours watched in April 2019, they were at 37 million. Hours watched in 2020... Thirty-seven million. Whoa! Holy, there shit. is that's not a percent year-over-year growth. So wow. this this is this is a really really crazy crazy number. I mean, it is astronomical in the in the streaming sphere, right? Because Mixer went out and they got Shroud and they got Ninja. To come over, two of the biggest Twitch streamers. And also, uh, is it King Goliath? They they snagged over from Twitch as well?
0: Yeah, I think they so. Grabbed- I, don't, I, don't, I don't watch much of his content or anything, but I, yeah, he is one of the people they went over. Uh, so to. they paid Ninja, what was it? Oh, is it rumored?
1: A hundred million, something crazy. They paid Ninja an insane salary. And uh, Shroud is just about the same to come over to Mixer. And they both said, hell yeah you know, they have minimum requirements that they have to hit streaming every week or whatever hours wise, but for the most part, they're salaried. So anything that they make from mixer is
0: extra. How much, sorry, say that one more time. How much was uh, shroud and ninja's contract from Microsoft? It's
1: rumored that, you know what, let me look it up. I think it's rumored around a hundred million, uh, ninja here. I'll just type it in really quick. A hundred
0: million a year.
1: It, no, was, uh, it, over, was it? A- no, it's over over four or five years. Okay, like that. Was we don't about know exactly. They're paid what the, more than
0: professional athletes.
1: <laughs> no, 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 not that much. It's over a few. Okay, so he's making. Nope, that's his net worth when he was on Twitch. How does In make a month? Yeah, it's, it's So the specific number isn't out yet. So we nobody knows exactly what he's making, but he's making bank. If you listen to any of the Twitch streamers talk about ninja moving over, they're like, he made the right choice because he got he's getting paid over there.
0: Hands right. down. And I, I I think um that was a very smart move on Shroud and Ninja's parts. They were the two biggest streamers. Um obviously without them, I mean those are horrible numbers and they probably be just probably maybe in the hundreds to thousands of viewers yeah. which is crazy that my favorite streamer that i do tend to watch from time to time like I, i've got i got it i never really cared about watching gamers play video games uh but um for those that don't know i'm a paramedic um in my normal life and we have a lot of downtime at work and one of the things that i do when i'm sitting around is i just kind of get on twitch and stuff like that so shroud was uh one of my favorite streamers up there with like summit 1g and i'll watch guys like that um and when i heard he went to mixer i was like oh wow so i had to download i felt like a pc player for a moment having to download the <laughs> epic game store i had to download another streaming service um to watch but uh yeah he's he's over there he's doing his thing uh but guys like summit are pulling you know i think every time he streams uh, i think when he was streaming valorant last month he was up to what did he pull kevin wasn't it like
1: oh god what was it? it was like two over 200k
0: yeah, he was in, hitting 200, 220,000 viewers um, at a time. Uh, for those that don't watch game streaming services, what well, basically what that happens is those streamers are playing the game, their people are watching, and they can donate, uh, choose to donate through subscription uh, services like Amazon Prime, or they can use uh, just a regular donation button, $5 at a time, $2 at a time. And I think most channels... The lotion is like $5, but I've, I've sat there and watched streams and people would just donate $1,200 at a time. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why? I don't get, I'm not knocking like summit or ninja or shroud or anybody's hustle. Like get your money. You know what I mean? It was kind of like when that girl yep. was selling her bathwater, <laughs> Game Girl bathwater <laughs> out of her bath, though, You know, yeah, I uh, people that. are weird. They, you know, do do what you're into, and you know, she, I don't, I don't knock her hustle, and I'm definitely not going to knock Ninja and Shroud and all them. But why would you pay somebody to watch them play a video game? I've never understood that aspect. I enjoy watching it, but I don't understand paying for it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I, so I, I, I stream on Twitch, um, every once in a while, uh, trying to get more consistent with it, but the, I, have never donated anything, but I feel like if I watch someone's content enough, like if I spend, if I sit down and I watch, you know, Ninja for 10 hours a week or something, I, I, I give him a sub, like I'll sub to him, which is like four 99. And he sees like, I don't know, probably two or three bucks out of that. And it's just kind of, uh, Hey, here, like, thank you for, for the entertainment, basically. Like, I'd go watch a movie and spend 15 bucks, right? To go sit for a two hour film or whatever. And I'm getting entertained by these guys. And yes, of course, it's not, you know, film quality, not massive multi million dollar movies. It's kind of a, a little bit of a weird thing to compare it to. But if you're going straight from entertainment hours watched, it, giving them a couple bucks is always something that I felt is like, reasonable for me like i'm just like for oh sure. we'll send to this guy for a month and and figure it out from there you know
0: yeah you know you you play a pretty good devil's advocate to that statement that i just made because uh, when you put it that way you know you are sitting there watching this for entertainment that's why you're watching it um he these streamers uh Don't have jobs and if some most of them have quit their normal jobs to do this full time and if you're watching it and you are a loyal supporter i don't see anything wrong with saying you know from that aspect yeah you know you're supporting somebody you enjoy their content and it's like we do with netflix or any other uh entertainment product that we watch you know hell even netflix they they don't with the exception of their own uh movies and things like that they don't make their own content um and we but we pay them so you know they're they're playing video games just to for their pleasure and to our entertainment. So I, I get it from that standpoint. Yeah,
1: it's it's. It took me a while to figure out you know why I should donate and to figure Twitch out and, you know, why people watch it and this and that. And I mainly watch it to get better. Uh, you know, I recently started playing Rainbow Six Siege again, and I started watching some some Twitch streamers because I wanted to figure out what the meta was. I wanted to figure out how they move around the map and different things like that. And, and there's no better way to do it than just watch. And, you know, you watch some of these guys play Warzone and, and things like that. They move so quick around the map and the way their decision-making is so interesting to watch because it's different than how, you know, the normal casual type gamer might play. I play with some of my friends and I'm, you know, I'm kind of moving around the map like I know other pro players do and things like that. And they're like, why don't we go do the scavenger? And there's nothing wrong with that. Play how you want to play. I'm just saying it. there is a distinct difference in gameplay. It's watching someone who does it for a living. You know, this is what they have True. done. They've made a career out of it
0: and they they play at the highest level you know they you are know, you were pro gamers they're pro gamers yeah. you know uh shroud and ninja and summit all these guys used to play on professional teams to for counter-strike and some of these games is how Halo they start yeah and it's it's uh, from that aspect you know yeah i've I, there are definitely tricks that i've learned i you know i recently started playing uh pc a couple years ago i didn't start playing competitive shooters on pc until maybe about a year and a half ago because i was uh just kind of intimidated by it i've played with a controller most of my life and switching back to that to to mouse and keyboard uh, it was hard but i learned a lot of stuff from shroud uh sensitivity things uh numbers and way to set my dpi so yeah the streamers whether you like them or not they are a much needed Uh, aspect of the gaming community i think that people think they're kind of toxic and sure there are aspects of that that it can bring that that out um but at the same time i think it's a it's a necessary evil that must exist
1: yeah i agree with you and uh, you know a lot they're helping people and i the other day i had an issue when i was streaming and it was an audio issue and i went on and found this guy he was a youtuber runs alpha gaming and he streams and he was like, Hey, if you ever have a question, it was one of his YouTube videos. He's like, pop into my stream. I'll be happy to help you. So I popped into a stream. I paid him two bucks and I was like, Hey, here's my problem. And he was like, Oh, you know what? Join our discord. We have a guy for that. So I joined the discord. This guy helped me out in 10 minutes. My problem was solved. So there, there's a benefit to these people. They know a lot. And you know,
0: that's, that's, that's the whole Twitch streaming thing, you know, in for a nutshell. sure for sure. Uh, Moving on uh, to topic number three of our news stories here. Uh, You guys know that because of coronavirus and everything going on right now, uh, one of the biggest uh, gaming uh, parts of the year is going to be missed, uh, which is E3. E3, for those that don't know, stands for uh, Entertainment, uh, what is Electronics Entertainment Expo, I think, right? I think it's Electronics. Mm -hmm. Yep. That was what the first E is. Uh, but that's going to be missing this year. Uh, they hold it every year. Uh, all the de- big developers and publishers gather to announce upcoming hardware. Uh, this is where things like uh, consoles get a- announced and shown off. And um, recently, in recent years, uh, Sony has backed away. Um, and I'm sure at some point, um, and other companies have backed out too from E3. EA has been doing it for on their own for a while. Um, I'm sure at some point on this uh, podcast we'll talk about is E3... Just need to go away completely, which I think is a completely different topic. But without them being here this year, uh, there are a a very uh, large uh, number of events that are going to be happening all summer long, which I think this is even better because it's like almost like every month of the summer we're getting uh, something exciting for video games. And so these are kind of just some events that are going to be coming this year in place of E3. Uh, Starting in June, June 6th, this is going to come up here in about a week or so. Uh, the PC Gaming Show, the annual show from PC Gamer, which has been timed with, uh, but not officially sanctioned by E3, will return in 2020. On Saturday, June 6th, the PC Gaming Show will broadcast a full day of live stream programming with help from Games Radar, Paradox Interactive, and the Gorilla Collective. Uh, real quick, uh, before I forget, I'm getting all this info. This is, uh, uh, been got I've looked this up from Polygon.com. Uh, this is by Michael mcWhorter. Uh, So, yeah, we got the PC gaming show in June Um, and then EA Play Live, uh, which is they've always called it EA Play. Um, Electronic Arts is turning its annual E3 adjacent show. Uh, They used to always hold it across the street from E3, which was (laughs) kind of like EA's big middle finger to uh, the E3 crew. But uh, the EA Play Live broadcast will feature game reveals, update community content and more. Uh, Viewers can tune into that on Thursday, June 11th at 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern. And then this is the one I think it's really cool on that same night, June 11th. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077 Night City Wire is what this is being called. And this is uh, going to be a focus, obviously, on uh, the upcoming game. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077, developed by CD Projekt Red. Uh, Details are kind of scant at this point, but expect the developer to do another deep dive on the game ahead of its September 17th release. So I'm sure we'll be getting a lot of gameplay. um, Probably another trailer kind of probably what it looks like running on the, probably the PS five and the Xbox series X, I would assume. Oh yeah. I'm excited (laughs)
1: about that. Uh, I I like, I like this kind of summer of games as they're, They're they're labeling it. It's uh it's gonna be great because we're getting a lot of we're getting a little bit of a lot of news over a long period of time, which is fine with me. I I don't need I love E3, don't get me wrong, it was great, but we don't need it anymore. It's just not necessary. Uh, release your stuff like this and have cool, curated, recorded stuff so things don't go wrong. And they get to show exactly what they want to show, it's on their terms. This is it's great. It's great for the industry, and a lot of these things. The Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven is going to be really, really great. And you've seen Sony do it with their state of plays. Uh, Nintendo kind of started it with their directs. Mm-hmm. They're they're moving this way, and they're doing it for a reason. It's because they can streamline what they want to say, how they want to say it. There's no one else involved. They just post it online, and that's it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think this is the. I think we're taking our step in the right way, uh, right direction uh, to go away from E3. Um, uh, the, coming up with uh, on June 22nd to July 20th, this is going to be a very long um, drawn out process. This is going to be created uh, by uh, Double Fine Productions, am 8-Bit Gaming, and the Game Awards creator, Jeff Keeley. Uh Two separate developer showcases on June 22nd and another on July 20th. So not they're not going to run till for a whole month, but on June 22nd and then another on July 20th, uh, both events will be live stream and feature gameplay news, musical performances, obviously, because it's Jeff Keighley. He's got to throw some live performance in there. Uh, developers <laughs> and publishers confirmed to appear include Acapara Games, Anapara Interactive, The Behemoth, Finji, Kellen Knights, Longhand Electric, MWM Interactive, Panic, Uh, Sabotage Studios, Skybound Games, Team17, That Game Company, Tribute Games, and Us2Games. So a lot of uh, indie developers. Um, A lot that I don't know, but I'm sure if you don't play indie games, you probably should because there are a ton of great indie titles. Um, June 23rd is going to be the new game, Plus Expo. It will bring together 14 developers and publishers, many of which are headquartered in Japan for an event live streamed on Twitch on June 23rd from 12 to 7 p.m. Uh, a lot of uh, teams over in Japan will be hosting that. In July, we have Xbox Game Studios Showcase. They do not have the exact date. They have just announced it is going to be sometime in July after giving third-party publishers time to showcase their upcoming games for Microsoft, such as... And then their uh, then their own uh, details on St- Xbox Game Studios, like 343 Industries with Halo Infinite, Ninja Theory, Sinwa Saga, uh, Hellblade 2... And hopefully more, considering Microsoft's deep bench of owned game developers. If you didn't know, last year, Microsoft went out and acquired Obsidian and a bunch of other game companies, Arcane Studios and things like that. Uh, Ubisoft Forward on July 12th, they'll be having a game showcase starting at 3 p.m. Uh, where I bet we get to see things like Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Hopefully they'll actually show some gameplay this time. And then yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll see We'll, we'll see uh, more of Watch Dogs Legion and Rainbow Six Quarantine, which is the kind of, it's not going to be an expansion. It's going to be its own standalone, um, the next Rainbow Six game. But it's kind of like a, I think they're still going to keep supporting Siege for a few years to come. Yeah, I think um, they
1: said there's a, a, a fifth or a sixth year confirmed, uh, and they are going to be bringing it to PS5.
0: That was, that was confirmed a few weeks ago. Now, this one heres I'm, I'm assuming, is going to pre- be probably one of the biggest events of the summer. Uh, it's going to be called Gamescom Opening Night Live, which is going to be coming August 27th. Uh, Germany's massive gaming convention that they hold every year, Gamescom, is not going to happen physically this year because of uh, the current situation in the world. But instead, like everything else it's going online, the big reveals will likely happen at opening night live. This is a Jeff Keeley produced event. So I'm assuming this is going to be up there with uh, where it's just nothing. It's going to think of it like a game awards, but with nothing but trailers and new gameplay and unannounced games. Um, so those are your big events throughout the summer. There are some other indie developers. And um, of course, Sony is going to have a state of play, another state of play, I believe, before the end of summer. And then Microsoft is doing one as well as a Nintendo Direct. So look forward to those coming up. Yep, um, and we'll be covering them right here on the podcast yes yes um i may actually try to live stream a couple of those on twitch maybe uh me and kevin can link our twitch channels and do uh what they because they have it now right kevin on twitch where you can uh squad stream is what they call it yep you can squad stream yep so maybe, maybe we can do that and uh, so we might lots, uh lots do that yeah later.
1: and do a little live reacts
0: so and then That'd we also fun. post those to our youtube channel um number four Right now uh, for uh, the PlayStation Plus uh, lineup for June has not uh, fully been announced, but uh, one game that has been announced is Call of Duty World War II will now be free with PlayStation Plus. I think that game came out three years ago. Uh, If you haven't played the campaign, it's one of the better Call of Duty uh, campaigns. It's a great first-person shooter campaign. Uh, The multiplayer is actually still very popular on PlayStation. I play it from time to time, and it's still very heavy populated. Um, Not on PC. There's a lot of cheaters over there, but uh, PlayStation is very well populated. Um, The rest of the lineup is uh, expected to be announced sometime in June, but we have heard rumors that the PlayStation Plus games are going to be huge. There may be a first party game. I'm personally hoping for uh, Days Gone to be the other game, but I don't know if that's going to happen or not.
1: I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, that would be great. I've been holding off to play that game because I've been waiting for it to go PlayStation Plus. So if they can get it on PlayStation Plus, oh, I can't wait to play it. I just don't want to pay the 40 bucks for it. I don't know why. I just didn't feel like that was a game that I wanted to spend 40 bucks on. Uh, so mm-hmm. I was honestly more likely to spend money on Persona 5 Royal and restarting Persona 5 because I got... Like I don't know if I got halfway through. It's a persona game, but right. I wanted to play that. You know what I mean? So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, hopefully, it stays gone. Please, I, I'm not. I'm not stoked about World War II Call of Duty. I'm kind of Call of Duty'd out right now. I'm not. I mean, I'll pick it up just to have it in my uh, in my cart, but I won't be playing
0: it. Right. At um. All. The last. The last one uh, from that. Uh, to not leave just. To only cute PlayStation and Sony. Um, no Man's Sky is coming to Xbox Games Plus for PC. And if you don't have Xbox Game Plus for Xbox or PC, uh, you're missing out on some great titles. Uh, Xbox Games Pass for Xbox just got um, Red Dead Redemption 2, which is a fantastic game. And to get that game for $9 a month, if you join, your first month is $4.99. And then you pay uh, $9 a month and you get a slew of uh, really fantastic uh, AAA titles, and to get Red Dead, if you haven't played that yet, it, this is a great deal for that. Uh, yeah,
1: absolutely. Red Dead for nine bucks is a steal. That is yes. a massive, massive, massive. Lots of content. Lots and lots wow. of content. Yeah. Uh, all right, Kevin. Topic five right. for the news. Topic 5. This is going to be Ghosts of Tsushima is Sucker Punch's biggest game ever. This is from IGN, Jonathan Dornbush, the host of podcast Beyond. Uh, this is a quote Beyond. from <laughs> Beyond. This is a quote from Sucker Punch. Quote, "It's a lot bigger than Infamous Second Son. It's definitely Sucker Punch's biggest game we've ever made by a landslide, both in the amount of stuff that's in it and also just sheer landscape square footage-wise." End quote. Connell, who also told IGN about Ghost of Tsushima's move away from a karma meter. Connell explained that the team often gets asked about Ghost of Tsushima's size in terms of length of completing the game, though he noted it's hard to pinpoint because, quote-unquote, completing can mean various things for people with open world games some people just play the story and others want to find everything the studio recognized this and worked quote to create a world big enough that has both those opportunities people can just play the story and people can go and get lost in the environment end quote hmm. what do you think about this
0: you know I'm all for it. Uh, we're definitely going to talk about it here for our main topic. We'll bring this back up about our our games, open world games becoming too big. Is there too much to do? Are we kind of burnt out on them? Um, I don't know for this a game like this. I think it's going to be, it's going to fit the tone. It's almost kind of a it, ghost of Tsushima has kind of a breath of the wild vibe to me where you can kind of seemingly go get lost and do whatever you want to do. And it's Okay. It doesn't seem like getting lost and, and doing something that is kind of off the beaten path is going to hinder you. It doesn't seem like it's going to feel out of place. Uh, not a lot. Of, that's the problem with a lot of uh, open world games, right? Is you do, go to do You're on your way to the main quest. You do a side quest and it just, it totally changes the tone, the feel and the emotions of what's y- you're at, at stake. You know what I mean? Like it, when I was trying to hunt for Siri in the wild hunt, if I went and did some side quests, which all the side quests in that game are amazing. It just, you're, you're not as focused. You're, it kind of throws you out of the, um, what's the word I'm looking here for here, Kevin,
1: the, it throws you out of the story. throws you out of like the main,
0: what, yeah, you just, you just feel misplaced because you're supposed to have these emotions trying to find your daughter. And now I'm going to help this, uh, ogre paint, paint his hut. You know what I mean? So, but, but I think ghost of Tsushima will be, more like Breath of the Wild, where I think it's it's okay. None of that stuff matters. It's all cohesive. So I, yeah. I'm okay with it, honestly.
1: Yeah, I, I think that they're going to take notes from Horizon, and I think the game will be very similar in the way you level up and acquire things like Horizon, where a lot of people just went straight through and played the story and didn't really do a lot of the side quests um, because... They did an amazing job of leveling Aloy to the point where you were never under leveled if you didn't do side quests. Does that make sense? But if right. you did the side quests, you would go <sighs> into the levels and you'd you wouldn't be completely overpowered. Like you wouldn't be able to just roll through, but you'd have an easier time. So I think Ghost of Tsushima will be very similar to that for sure. For we'll, sure, we'll save our uh, our open world discussion
0: and thoughts for a little bit later. Uh, Joseph, what have you been playing? Oh, man, I've been uh, nothing new. <laughs> I'm, try- <laughs> I'm kind of uh, keeping it a little bit old here. Uh, I'm playing two games that came out two years ago, and I'm playing another one that came out uh, four years ago, three years ago, three and a half years ago. Um, I'm playing, obviously, I'll get with the one that probably not a lot of people are most interested in, uh, Destiny 2. Still playing that. That's that's kind of my uh, games-as-a-service game. Right now I'm getting into that and sorry, (laughs) Kevin just threw me off with the Google doc. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't know, if you use Google docs um, and uh, you, somebody can type at the exact same time that you're, you have your page open. So Kevin was typing, adding something in there and it kind of threw me off. So um, so I've been playing Destiny 2 and got grinding through that. This season is fixing to end. and There's actually some really good uh, announcements for those Destiny players out there. That The next season is going to be really good. And it's kind of culminating to they have announced a, another expansion that will be coming this fall. Uh, that's pretty much going to change how gear works entirely. So oh uh, you, you it makes it more modular, uh, but kind of helps line it out, makes things a little bit easier. Uh, if, if you're a fan of MMOs, it's, it sounds really, really cool. It's not too in-depth, but it it, it it seems like a quality of life change. So I'm excited about that. Um, I've also been playing uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, like I had mentioned last week. I'm still trying to get into that. Um, I love that game. It's uh, The voice acting is not that good in it, unless what the main character that I'm playing is, is Cassandra. Her voice actress is great. Uh, whoever did her mo- mocap, she's gorgeous, <laughs> but the game itself is very fun. It's probably the best Assassin's Creed I've ever played as far as terms of combat. Uh, more like a definitely more like a RPG than any Assassin's Creed. Um, yeah, I've been playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey and just uh, getting my hands back into that, trying to finish it up. Um, the gameplay is one of the best Assassin's Creed games. Um, that I've ever played it's definitely not my favorite Assassin's Creed 4 is but um, it's definitely a great game but another game kind of has been I had to put that on the back burner because I've been playing Red Dead Redemption 2 again I I finished it almost I got to the big uh, massive spoiler reveal towards the end of the game I never rolled credits on it and then I got it on PC and that's what I'm playing it on now so I'm trying to I'm gonna try and roll credits on the game to say I've officially beat the game on Red Dead Two, but that's that's what I've been playing. But the, those are going to take a while to beat. <laughs> I, yeah, definitely, I, mean, Red I definitely Dead's won't a massive be. Game. I definitely won't be done by the time uh you know Last of Us Two and Ghost of Tsushima come out. So they'll they'll have to take back seats to that, and I'll finish them up probably towards the end of the year.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Red Dead, uh, I got. Man, I probably played, the story itself is what, 40 to 50 hours, you'd say? You probably roll credits around there?
0: Man, I not Depending don't know. on how
1: slow you play it?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think maybe, yeah, if you're not getting sidetracked hunting and things like that, if you just beeline the story, probably about 45 hours.
1: Yeah, I, I, I played, I didn't just beeline the story, I was doing a lot of other things. I was about 30 to 35 hours in. I think I was close to that what you're talking about, that big twist or, or whatever. I'm not sure what it is, but I, I was close to that. And I, I was living in New York city at the time and the game is phenomenal, but it was so slow. And at the time my life was so fast paced. It was a nice break, but at the same time, I, I couldn't, I couldn't slow my gears enough to walk into the store and look at the, I, I don't know what it was. I liked the idea. I couldn't, do it. So maybe now that I've moved out of the city, my
0: internal clock has slowed down a little bit. I'll go back and and play finish that up. Right. Yeah. Hopefully, it's it's a great game. It's it's uh in my opinion, and this is going to be maybe controversial. It's Rockstar's best game in my mm, opinion. Okay. Yeah. Um, but that's all I've been playing: Red Dead, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and Destiny Two. What about you, Kevin? So I recently started playing Rainbow Six Siege again. Uh, it's ten
1: dollars on the PlayStation Store. So I I picked it up, and God, that game is so, so good. It is an amazing mixture of tactical gameplay, precision shooting, uh, outsmarting the other team, using the operators. I'm I'm like in love. I can't stop playing it. It is all I can think about right now. I'm waking up. I'm eating breakfast. I'm going for a run. I'm coming back, and I'm playing Siege. It's like everything i want right now in a shooter i can get in get out play a couple matches but i can also sit down and play a long time and learn and really dive in and learn these operators and learn the different techniques and do all of those you know nitty-gritty lame gamer stuff you know
0: so i've been i've been playing a lot of siege did Um, you did you play it when it came out or is this your first time ever playing it
1: no, I played it. I think it was free for a weekend or something. They were like, hey, come play Rainbow Six Siege for a week or a weekend. And I played it then and I loved it. And I said, okay, all right, this is a game I really want to play. But at the time I was probably playing something else and didn't want to leave whatever I was playing. Uh, so I found that it was $10. I was kind of looking for a new competitive game to play. I've been playing Warzone. Uh, that's that's also on my list, but it's I'm not I'm loving it. I still like to play it, but I needed something more. I needed something a little bit, maybe slower or I, I'm not really sure what I was looking for, but Rainbow Six Siege is scratching that itch real hard for was me it, right now.
0: Was it very hard? Cause the, I've, I've really wanted to play this game. This is a game that I missed out on. Um, but it's also one of those games that I, I kind of link it into overwatch and some of these games that have been out for years, but have this competitive following that if you queue up, I'm afraid to get into it. Like I play overwatch fairly decently, but I'm afraid to get into a match with uh, siege because I feel like because it's four V four and you know, you it the time to kill is so fast. I feel like I would do horrible at it. So here's the deal. They have a whole
1: playlist called newcomer that you can play with people who are new to the game. So once you hit a certain level, you can't play Newcomer anymore, but they have uh, a, an entire playlist dedicated to people who are just starting to play the game. So I started playing in Newcomer and I played probably like six hours in there. And then I was like, okay, I'm getting the handle of it. Like I'm coming in first in a lot of these lobbies. I'm going to start playing Unranked. So I've now I've been playing in Unranked, which is kind of like you know uh, a smorgasbord of People, it's high skill players and low skill players. I don't know if there's strict skill based matchmaking. That's something I need to look into. But I've definitely gotten into lobbies with people who are really good, and I've gotten into lobbies with people who are really not very good. It's easier than you think. The biggest, the biggest hang up for me is just map location. uh, Is just knowing the different maps. Once you start to know the maps, you play a couple maps in a row, and you get the layout because most of the maps are laid out like they're in buildings, right? You one team defends a team of five defends and a team of five attacks. So you set up your traps and whatever, when you're defending and when you're attacking, obviously you go in, you're trying to infiltrate and, and plant uh, a diffuser for a bomb. So you, most of them are three stories, two to three stories. There are multiple entry points. You can enter from the basement, uh, the roof, anywhere really. And uh, they, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's not as hard to get into as I thought it was going to be. I really thought I was going to struggle with it, but it's coming from Call of Duty and coming from other first person shooters. The the shooting is phenomenal. It feels great. There's no aim assist, which I love because, you know, I'm tired of, yeah, no, there's no aim assist. Uh, It's, there's no snappy onto the enemy from way far away. You aim everything. So it is precision and the time to kill is quick. But since there isn't aim assist, it doesn't feel as quick. Like most times people miss some shots so that you have a time to kind of react and duck away or whatever. And you don't move. It's very slow. You move very slow. You crouch walk. You check every corner. You. It, it's very tactical. So you're not, it's not Call of Duty where you're just kind of like sprinting around right. like, ah! and just hoping you don't get shot it's it's very different in that way so i you should you should get into it it's a low entry point at 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 10 bucks and it's god is it fun
0: i think i actually have it still uh i think it was free at one point um playstation plus had it and i think i have it so i'll get it installed and see i may have to like pay for some content i don't know uh but i'll i'll check it out if, if i do have it i definitely would hop into that with you for sure what else yeah you it's, play? it's
1: uh final fantasy 7
0: uh, is I played another six hours
1: or so, maybe a little bit more. And holy shit, man, uh, what a great, phenomenal game. Just so good. The story beats, the gameplay, everything. I mean, I just got to a point where I was very upset. Someone, you know, dies, and they're my favorite character. They died. It was upsetting. They handled it really well. The voice acting's incredible. Everything just works, and the gameplay's is phenomenal. It, the boss fights are really, really fun. It is it is an absolute, I, I want to say masterpiece, uh, and but something's holding me back from saying masterpiece. It's just under a masterpiece. There are some things about it that I'm not super wild about, but for the most part, it's phenomenal. It's just so good. Did and you- I've also been playing Streets of Rage.
0: That's the oh, only, yeah. last game I've been playing. Uh, didn't you do you want to touch on that any more than you did last week at all or just enjoying it just as much just enjoying it just enjoying it. it's really
1: fucking hard it is really really hard i'm on the last like stage right now trying to get through it uh i've just been picking it up you know as here and there so uh, i picked it up for a couple hours while i'm watching tv or something i'll play through and you know try and get a better score on a level then move on and uh, i think i'm at the final stage right now and it's i'm just getting my ass kicked it's, it's really, it's a difficult game there. I, and I, I refuse to use any of the assists. So I'm not, you know, giving myself an extra life or an extra special move or something like that. I'm, I'm trying to go through as, you know, normal as possible. So once you learn all the enemies and how to take all different groups out and what order to do it and how to do it with what weapons, it it makes more sense, but it definitely takes time. Uh, right. it, it's, it's more tactical than your, average game because it's plays like an older game where you had to use tactics like that right. games used to be hard and games are easier now very uh, much so, and, and it's it's a hard game it really is it's difficult but it's a lot of fun very rewarding when you beat that final when you beat the boss at the end of the stage and you complete it and you you know you get by with just a little bit of life or whatever it is it huge huge sense of accomplishment so
0: yeah great game still really great very cool. Um, yeah, those are games we've been playing. Uh, but, you know, I didn't notice on any of your list. you know, you haven't been playing any open world games. No, I've been playing two: Assassin's Creed yes. Odyssey and Red Dead. Our main topic of the show today is about open world fatigue. And is it real? Now, you're not currently playing an open world game. Are you fatigued at all from open world games? That's a really, really great question.
1: I have a love-hate relationship with open world games. I love them. And I also, they intimidate me a lot because my slight sense of OCD kicks in. When I played The Witcher, one of the main reasons, I didn't like the combat necessarily, but one of the other reasons was I got out of that first little segment and everything just looked like an exclamation point or a question mark, right? And I, it was so overwhelming because I bought the complete edition. So I'm sure that played something. It played into it as well, uh, where, you know, all of the quests were open and everything was uh, and it was so much for me that it, it was tough to get through. Now, I'm not tired of playing open world games. I'm tired of open world games having this is going to be controversial having subpar voice acting at times and uh character animations i i don't it it just is so immersion breaking for me sometimes now there's exceptions where like skyrim it's kind of charming for whatever reason i'm not really sure why it's so charming in skyrim but it is other games where you know you hear the voice actors and they you know they sound like they're not you know i talked about this i think last week a little bit with um uh, game I was playing, the voice acting just wasn't matching the situation I was in, and something that you said earlier too about you know you're on this urgent quest and you got to save your daughter, but in the meantime over here this guy really wants me to help mow his lawn, so I'm going to help him do that yeah. or you know this random fetch quest or whatever it might be, <laughs> things like that tend to break me out. Now, uh, I I the game. That I look to for one of my favorite open worlds is Horizon, and the reason for this is I played Horizon and Breath of the Wild at the same time. So I, I had my Switch and I was playing through Breath of the Wild, and I was playing through Horizon when I was bored with the latter. Right, and Horizon did such a great job of integrating story into the side quests that made you feel like even if you were off the quote unquote main quest line like the main path that you should be taking or the story, whatever that wants you to drive it forward. They didn't feel completely trivial either. Like the side quest didn't feel trivial. I could do a side quest and still feel like I was kind of progressing the story in a way. I was There's that one mission that I always remember where you have to go, I think it's save a girl or something. And you run into one of those huge bird-like, Robot creatures that you end up having to fight. What are they mm-hmm. called? Storm, storm wings, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, and I know what, what you're talking great, about. Though. Yeah, what a great, great side mission. And it just didn't feel. They, d- Guerrilla did a great job of making those missions feel impactful. Not just oh hey, I need these things because I'm broke or whatever it might be. Your you know your traditional open world tropes. What about you? You
0: think there's an open world fatigue? You know. I think there definitely is. I think there's a laziness that gets put in place and I'm not, I love these games. I love them. I've played every single one of them. The last one, maybe I was kind of fatigued in when I played and I'm going to talk about Far Cry games for a second. Mm. I love Far Cry, but I'm tired of these monotonous side missions. You know, Far Cry has a lot of tower, radio tower missions where you have to go and clear out this to get the section of the map cleared and things like that. I don't like doing that I don't want to I'd like doing my main I like an open world game that gives me a main quest but anything anything that I run into in off the beaten path should not feel like it is completely off the beaten path I like when it feels organic and it feels kind of real um assassin's creed odyssey does that okay but red dead redemption 2 does that um, phenomenally well Rockstar games have a way of putting you whatever they have a way of meshing the main story and main plot to where it fits an open world it feels like real life like if you've played red dead you're you know you're playing as arthur morgan you're with this gang of uh outlaws and you're trying to survive, but at the same time you have these, the gang gives you these mundane tests, tasks to uh, help restore the camp, or they need money and or food or supplies, resources, and things like that, and that's where hunting and fishing come into play, so when you go and do those things, it doesn't feel, you still feel immersed as that character, you still feel like you are Arthur Morgan you still feel like you're doing that story, it doesn't feel like, I'll, I just went and did this because I'm playing a video game. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it makes perfect sense. So, like, you know, I, I love when a game keeps me immersed through the entire playthrough. Now, that in itself can get kind of monotonous Um, when it's maybe if it overstays its welcome, which Red Dead Redemption 2 is completely and utterly guilty of that. Uh, yeah. That game is ex- insanely long. Um, You do feel like you're almost living this life as Arthur Morgan and doing these things for because you can get so distracted. Like we had said mentioned earlier, you know, the main story is about 45 hours if you just be lined all the all the main story blips on the map. But going back and uh, but if you're sitting there hunting, you're doing all these side missions, playing poker, things like that. You're going to be playing that game all year. It's just so long. So trying to find that happy medium is difficult um games like breath of the wild that the story doesn't matter but the world is really cool and fun to explore those are fun too but i I definitely want like a a more happy medium so am i getting fatigued of open world games yes and no i I, it depends like there are certain open world games i haven't touched yet that i one of them i heard is amazing and the both of them actually uh uh shadows of mordor the the uh Mm -hmm. The sequel to uh, um, or maybe that's the first one I have the first one on uh, PC
1: shadows and the second oh my god I can't remember which one's first to me they're the same game Yeah, twice. they have a very
0: similar name um, and then Mad Max uh, both I heard were really good games I just haven't played them yet because I at the time those games came out I was playing Metal Gear Solid 5 the Phantom Pain and that yeah. game was a very fun game to me I'm a big Metal Gear fan but it, it did have a lot of Uh, monotony to it. So I I think, I think there is a fatigue that exists.
1: Yeah, I I think so as well. And I'm not sure that it's necessarily that the world, you know, I'm not sure that it's open world fatigue, right? It's not necessarily the style of games. I think gamers are starting to be tired of the way the games play out and the way that they're designed. I, I think that that is the thing that gamers are tired of. They're like, okay, we have this amazing world, right? And that's why people like Breath of the Wild. I think So much is that it really let the player decide what they were going to do. So there was nothing going on in the background, really. You had these four dungeons. And once you, that was it, right? You could, if you wanted to, you could go straight to the end of the quote unquote story and take on Ganon. You could, if you wanted to. You would die and lose, but you could do it. I I liked that design philosophy of Breath of the Wild because when I was playing the game, I felt overwhelmed because it was a really big map and there was a lot to do, but I was taking it at my own pace. There wasn't something in the back of my head saying, "Hey, you really got to go talk to that person or like, you know, so and so's gonna die." You know, that wasn't playing in the back of my head. It was, "Okay, well, I got to go over here to the sand area and I got to clear out this this dungeon, right? And okay, I have to go over here and clear out this dungeon, but it wasn't pressing. The game to me felt very empty, but that's that's a criticism that I have that not a lot of people do. I'm not a, I'm not the biggest Breath of the Wild uh, fan.
0: Like I think a lot of people have that criticism with that game. I think I think the people that don't um are your hardcore uh, Zelda fans yeah. that just are going to defend Zelda to the end of the day. I'm going to, you know, I'll be honest with you. In my opinion, this is the best Zelda game. A lot of people think Ocarina of Time is, um, or Majora's Mask, or Link to the Past, or excuse me, a Link uh, Link's Awakening. Um, I think it's the best Zelda game. It's and you, I don't even think you agree with that, but I, I just feel like the choices were mine to make and more in this game than any other Zelda game. I didn't yeah. like the way they I did. I mean, that's
1: definitely dungeons.
0: True. I wish they had better dungeon system to it and not just these like little mines that we had to, what were they called? The shrines, Where you go get right? the Yeah, the shrines. That's right. So,
1: yeah, I got tired of doing the fucking shrines, man. I also, I got so tired of doing the shrines. I was like, if I have to pick up another ball and put it in a hole, I'm going to throw Zelda like out the fucking game. I was just like, I was so over it. I, I I don't know. I it, it got very cumbersome for me to play. And that's... Yeah, I, I t- mean, I truly think Horizon's a better game than Zelda is. And they came out at the same time. For sure. I think Horizon did so much, so much better.
0: It, In my than, opinion, Horizon Zero Dawn should have been... Horizon Zero Dawn should have been game of the year in 2017.
1: Yeah. People not, just not did not give Breath it... The Wild. Uh, they didn't give it the respect I think it deserved. I, I, so I played kind of backpedaling a little bit. I played shadow of Mordor. Uh, I played a good 15 to 20 hours of it. Uh, and that was interesting because of the entire kind of like bounty system they had where different orcs and different bad guys were, would get more powerful or team up with each other and do all these different things. It's been a while since I played it. So if I misspoke there, it, they have a whole system, right? Where these guys get stronger. If you go face somebody and you lose, he then gains more people and, uh, that you have to go in. He's harder to beat the next time. All this cool stuff that felt every time you got into a fight with one of these guys, that it was really worth killing them and surviving. And you had that, that sense of urgency there, uh, which I really enjoy. And a lot of games haven't uh, necessarily captured since, which I think was unique about the series. Uh, the combat was good too. I really enjoyed the combat. Lord of the Rings is, I think an underutilized, uh, game franchise
0: it didn't used to be but it is now uh, yeah and you know we're fixing to see more of it Amazon uh, has their own game studios and they're currently developing a MMO Uh, they're developing two MMOs right now they're developing one uh, that is fixing to come out here in a couple months and then they're also developing a Lord of the Rings MMO which I'm curious to see how that goes Uh, but I I, I think uh, open world games and then you have uh, the sizes of the world you know how big is too big um, you know, Red Dead's map's pretty big. It's 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 decently sized. Uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I think they said can fit like two to three of Red Dead's maps inside Odyssey, which is insane. And like, they're I'm on the first two islands. Is all I've done, and they're right next to each other. And then you go on the map, and you zoom out, and it's just, it almost feels disheartening because. There's so, as a gamer that plays, you know, competitive shooters to, you know, stuff that people don't consider uh, hardcore, like Call of Duty and Madden. And then I play things, I've played things like, you know, I've played World of Warcraft. I've, I play everything. And as somebody that wants to play all these games coming out, it's disheartening. It's like I said, I'm not going to play Red Dead or Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Even though I haven't played Odyssey uh, before, I'm not going to put The Last of Us or even ghost of Tsushima on the back burner because they just look like amazing games. So right. when, a, when a open world is too big, you know, there are too many games to play almost. And, uh, you have to pick and choose. And if you're going to play an open world game and games as a service, like I do, like it's, it's hard to, to find time for anything else and balance, you know, a, the social normal life, it, it's, it's rough. Yeah. And so, I almost feel like sometimes developers don't respect the player's time very well, whether, whether they're when you are doing those mundane quests that feel stupid. Like, why am I doing this? Why do I have to go carry? You want me to go get these bananas uh, for this guy in breath of the wild, but I have to do it because I need this piece of armor that I get. Like that's not respecting the player's time very well. And so it's, it's, it's hard to find that happy medium. Um, there but then there are games that that have absurdly huge maps that that play out very well like i said you know um horizons map is fairly huge um breath of the wild uh from the scope and scale of things and the way you traverse that world is very large um skyrim uh if if it wasn't for fast traveling if you had to play that game like red dead it would take forever to finish skyrim you know what i mean so it's 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 weird um it's going to be interesting. I, I think we're heading towards, especially with games like red dead odyssey, uh, ghost of Tsushima that are having these absurdly. I think that, and especially as technology evolves, the maps are only going to get bigger. I cannot, if, if this is how big red dead redemption two was and how gorgeous that the, the visual fidelities of that game was on a PlayStation four. I can't imagine what GTA six is going to look like on a play, PlayStation five.
1: I can't, I can't either. Uh, the, they're going to be able to do so much more with these games on the next generation, it, especially for open better world or games. For worse. I think are going to see, yeah, for better or for worse. That, that's true. We'll, we have, we have yet to see what they're doing. I mean, Valhalla is going to be huge, I'm sure,
0: right? Have they announced how big
1: the map is? They, they said it is it's smaller signific- than Odyssey's they, Or yeah,
0: yes, they did say it is significantly smaller than Odyssey. That was like they. I think they they realized Ubisoft realized they made Odyssey's map too huge. <laughs> um, I think Watchdogs Legions is going to be huge. From from what I'm gathering, it is one to one of London. Wow. And Holy if you've ever been to London, it's it's like a little New York. It's it's insanely huge.
1: Yeah! Yikes! That's 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 crazy. I mean, I like big maps. I like things to do. I just don't want... I don't want it to waste my time. Spider-Man also, you can kind of say, you know, is an open world. It was fairly linear, but it had the entire... Well, not the entire island of Manhattan, but a, a good
0: part of it. It was a good chunk. It was and, good enough.
1: Yeah, it had it had everything from... I mean, it had Harlem, but they kind of like fudged where everything was located a little bit as well. They had to. Um, but it it was... It was a good size. I thought you could kind of traverse from one side to the other because you're freaking Spider-Man. You can, you know, fly between buildings and all that kind of cool stuff. And it it didn't feel
0: overwhelming
1: at any point.
0: And that's that Spider-Man did a good job of respecting or or not respecting, but uh, understanding what they were trying to do. Uh, If you look at it from a game design standpoint, there's really nothing to do in that world other than go zip around and go beat up criminals. But at this, but that's what you're playing that game for that, that game. I f- was the m- most, I felt like Spider-Man in a video game ever, ever. And yeah. it, it was just so much fun to like, I could swing around that city for hours and it's just beautiful and it ran well. And that's the thing is, is it's kind of going back to the red dead thing. Like as long as what I'm doing fits the story and makes sense for the character, I don't care what I interact with with the world. You know what I mean? I agree.
1: Yeah, uh, completely. And Red Dead, I I felt like Red Dead did and didn't respect my time. It it depended kind of on what I was doing. Sometimes I was like, "Uh, this is a little gamey, you know, like this is a little, okay, go grab this thing and bring it back here. And, you know, I I had to ride on my horse everywhere
0: and it just... Red Dead does not respect the player's time at all. It just doesn't. Like, let me be clear about that. Just because it, I think it meshes well and the world fits with what you're doing and you really do feel like you are part of that living, breathing world. No, in no way does it. It's a little bit almost too Sims, uh, the Sims-like, where it just feels like too much of a simulation instead of a video game at times. So it's not respecting your time. You're living two lives. You know what I mean?
1: Yes, you definitely are. And, uh, you know, I... I really like Red Dead, and I know what Rockstar was going for when they designed the game. They wanted it to be slow. They wanted it to be meticulous. They wanted it to feel like it would in a Western. I get that. I completely get that. More power to them. It wasn't for me at the time. It just wasn't. I couldn't get into
0: it. I wish they would have done what they did with the online component. In the online, there are fast travel signposts that you can use to traverse the map easily. Um, in the story campaign, there are not, you have, you have a fast travel, uh, mechanic where you go and you buy a train ticket to all the largest train, the, to the big major train stations in the, on the map, but they are very spread out from like, say I needed to go do something near Valentine, but not necessarily in that town. I'd have to take a train to Valentine and then ride to where I needed to go. Like right. to camp, for instance, camp from Valentine is a good, you know, Two to four minute ride, depending on how fast you're going outside of the town. So, uh, yeah, I I don't know why they put that in the multiplayer, but not in the story. I think they realized when they were designing
1: the multiplayer that people weren't going to want to play the multiplayer if they couldn't do things quickly.
0: Yeah, like it, it, to the story mode, you're you're playing that character, you're living that world. Online, you, people want to go to do this. Okay. I've done this. Now I'm going to go play deathmatch or whatever. Right. So I, I get that. I just, I think uh, some better mechanics could have been done with that by no means. Is it a perfect game? I just think it's one of the, it's damn near perfect. It's, it's a really good game, but uh, yeah, it's, it's up. It's, I think it's one of the best open world games, but uh, then you have games like Skyrim and fallout that, the voice acting, like you said, doesn't match the situation. Sometimes the emotions of it, um, but Bethesda games have that charm you talked about. I completely agree with it. I, Bethesda games are kind of clunky and not that great mechanically speaking, yeah. but there's something about them that. God, I I think I've bought Skyrim on literally everything it's came out on. Yeah, I've, I've like bought, I'm not I've, even joking.
1: Yeah, no, I, I I own it on on PlayStation and Switch. And, you know, who knows if they port it to PS5, I'll most likely fucking buy it there, too, and <laughs> yeah. play it again. You I, know they will. Just, yeah, of course they will. Why, why wouldn't they? You know, it, it's a great game. And it's it's great because the world that they built is really great. And you just want to spend time in that world for whatever reason. You just feel cool and feel, it. you know, it. I mean, cool is not the right word. You feel immersed and you feel important because your character has an important quality and people need your help and you want to help people and you don't want to help other people and you want to fuck, fuck around and do shit and you know and obviously all the modding that happened on on pc has kept oh, that yeah. game alive and well i mean i just remember seeing the thomas the tank engine um <laughs> one and i mean that's just such yeah. a great mod. i can't
0: i can't remember the youtuber but the modding scene definitely has kept skyrim alive He, the guy that does, there's a dude that makes this video where he's fighting thomas the tank engine and he's fighting him and something it was like he was like oh what thomas the tank engine's a uh, or no, at the very end, it, he fights the Thomas the Tank Engine Train, and then he turns around and he's like, what? There's a crab with a monocle on it? And a mustache? Come on, Master Chief. Let's get the fuck out of here. And he turns around <laughs> and Master Chief is his follower. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> it's it's oh, hilarious, man. but um, I can't wait to see what Elder Scrolls 6 is going to look like on Next Gen and PC and all those things, because I bet you know they're going to take their time with it, and I'm sure it's going to have that... Uh, Bethesda quality make clunkiness to it. But I think it's, it's also going to maintain that charm. And, you know, people didn't like fallout four. I have absolute zero doubt elder scrolls six. Whenever we do see it, uh, Pete Hines recently said, you won't see that game for years. Um, whenever we do see it, I have no doubt that's their bread and butter. Every pretty much El- every elder scrolls game that that company has ever made has been phenomenal. All of the Elder Scrolls are good games, so I don't I don't have any doubt that it, uh, Elder Scrolls Six is going to be uh, anything less than great. What are Kevin? What are some of your favorite? Give me two of your favorite open world video games of all time.
1: Oh, two of my favorite, Horizon's got to be on there. I adore that game. I think it is so so good. Um, as far, oh man, I'm trying to think of things that I've played even recently and far I, I, Skyrim's up there. I mean, it, it's really good. I don't know if I would put it in my top two. Let me think open world. Let's say horizon and you know what? Let's do it. Let's say Skyrim. I really like Skyrim. Okay. Okay.
0: Uh, I would say, I, I,
1: I would say those are probably two of my, of my favorite. Yeah.
0: You're not wrong with either of those choices. Obviously, this is a subjective uh, opinion, but uh, that's you know those those are great games. I I don't see a problem with liking those. I'm kind of more of the I did not enjoy traversing Horizon's world as much. Aloy's mechanics when climbing things and things like that felt a little bit clunky, but man, it's so beautiful and the combat was so much fun that I just kind of didn't care about it. Um, Yeah, my two favorite open world games: Red Dead. Redemption 2 is probably like on my mind so much because I'm playing it right now. So much I do love that game. It, in my opinion, Red Dead um, on PC uh, with the graphics that I have, and even on an Xbox and PS4, in my opinion, is the prettiest open world game I've ever seen. Mm. I, I think the the way you can just be on a cliff in a valley, looking down into a valley towards you know the sea. Or not, you know that big river that's right there that divides the two two parts of the map, and then turn around, and then you see just mountains and trees and snow capped mountains and things like that. It's just it's just a beautiful game. It is Um, gorgeous. The fact that that thing can even run the way it does on a PlayStation and be that beautiful is is I I cannot believe uh, that game runs on today's hardware, Uh, even even PC, Uh, and on PC it, it it has some issues and. Uh, but definitely, I want to say that. But the two I would have to pick is Assassin's Creed for Black Flag. Um, man, that game makes you feel like a pirate more than any other game. Yeah, it, um, it. Yeah, it does. It's it's just it's it's a beautiful world for what it was on the PS3, and then when it came to the PS4 um, on PC, obviously uh, the fidelity is a little bit better. You can do some graphical mods to it and things like that. But the open world of it, um, the way the ships looked on the water, uh, riding, just riding through with your crew, singing those uh, sea shanties. Maybe it's just that I've always had a thing for like pirates and it like I like the show Black Sails and just that game, that game was just fun to play. Just a really, really fun game. I liked I wish it was I wanted when I heard the announcement, I can't what is the name of it? That that new game that uh, Ubisoft is making that may be close to getting canceled. You know what I'm talking about? This is the ship oh, combat. Oh no!
1: Yeah, God, what the hell is the name of that? When I, I... honestly have ignored it because I thought I never thought it was going to come into fruition.
0: I, it made it's, it's honestly from what I've heard it may be getting talks of getting canceled. But because of what I'm about to say, I really was excited about it because I didn't like the. Assassin's Creed part of Black Flag I just wish I could have just been a pirate I didn't want to have to do all the Abstergo stuff and all that I just wanted to just be a pirate in that game. When I heard this game was coming out, um, I can't think of a name. Uh, If you know that name, remote gaming at gmail.com uh, skull le-
1: and bones, skull and bones. bones.
0: So when I heard that game was coming out and I saw the ship to ship combat, I was like, Oh, awesome. And then they pulled up next to each other. I was like, you get to board and you're going to get to, you know, third person combat and be a pirate. And it didn't happen. And that it's just ship combat. And that was kind of disappointing to me. Um, But uh games like that, uh Sea of Thieves is up there with like a beautiful open world too. I forgot to say that. That that game is just gorgeous with its art style. Um but the number one game that's open world that I think is my favorite is probably uh The Witcher 3, the Wild Hunt um that's why i'm so excited for cd project or or, excuse me cyberpunk 2077 i can't wait to see what these guys do with that open world and that first person view i wish you could go third person in that just because cd project does so they did so well with third person witcher i was kind of bummed out that this wasn't going to be a third person shooter that's how i like to play my open world games preferably is third person i don't like the first person aspect of uh, I know games like Far Cry do really well with it, but I just I prefer third person option. That's maybe that's why I like uh, Bethesda games so much. Uh, but The Witcher 3, uh, I really dived back into that when I was into Game of Thrones and watching that. And it was just kind of fit fit really well together. And just living that world as Geralt, uh, that voice actor, he is fantastic. All the voice actors in the main cast is just it's it's so well acted. Um the emotions with it, the story is really good. Uh the side quests don't feel like side quests. They feel like, you know, main missions because of the length and the steps that you have to go through sometimes with them. So mm-hmm. it's it's just a very I felt more a part of that world than any other video game I think I've ever played. So those are definitely my two.
1: I I might I would I would I might move Far Cry three up with Skyrim just because I played so much of that game. I enjoyed it so much. I crafted everything. I was pretty close to platinuming it. I don't know why I didn't. That that but
0: that far is Far Cry probably, three is really, really good. Yeah, it's it's damn near perfect. Um as far as what it was for the time. Like that was just a fun first person shooter uh that introduced RPG elements to it. I was that was a great game. Yeah. Um I, I don't know. Like, uh, we'll see what the future holds. I think hopefully, I think it's, I think we're going to have a mixture. I think we're going to have games that kind of do what red dead did for, on the worser side of it. They may get worse in the terms that they're too mundane. It feels too simulated. I don't, if, if you, if you get more simulated than red dead too, like I, I, that just seems like a very boring game. I don't want it to be too simulated, but at the same time, um, I think they're going to get better. Um, I'm really excited what the sequel of breath of the wild that got announced last year at E3 is going to look like, it uh, sounds like it was DLC and they're just kind of adding to it. So it's probably going to be more of the same and we might have some complaints with it, but I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun game. Um, but those open world games, it's just hit or miss with so many.
1: Yeah. It, I'm really picky with open world games. I get I get bored very quickly in open world games. If they don't grab me in the first five hours, I get really bored. Uh, I, I have to have something driving me forward always. For sure. And I I, I get, I don't like when they're, it's overcomplicated. I don't like everything being so fucking complicated sometimes in open world games. I'm like, really? Like, I really have to do like, what like why is this so difficult why why don't i know where to go next like i've been playing video games forever just tell me where to go and i'll go there you know instead of just roaming around or like it's in this general area that's one of my least favorite things that people that video game does in open worlds is they just like give you a general area you know and like oh, you look yeah. on the map like, go and visit. it'll just be a big circle
0: i'm yeah. like
1: fuck that like i don't want to just tell, Just tell me where to go. Tell me where to go. It's yeah. not that big of a deal.
0: It's a video game. Like I'm not yeah. sitting here trying to figure out who whose footprints are these, you know, like, right. <laughs> so it, it'll be exciting to see what the future holds for open world games. Um, do you have anything else to add on any of this topic, Kevin?
1: I don't think so. I think it was another uh, jam packed episode.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we hit on a uh, hit up on a lot. And I think, uh, you know, open world games are here to stay. I think that they're going to, we're going to, as far as from the third person action adventure type, I think you're going to see more of games like red dead and horizon. I think you'll see less of games like God of war and the last of us, these narrative, uh, story driven games, I think or not necessarily narrative story driven, but the linear side is going to start to go away. But, uh, We'll see what the future holds. Um, this has been the remote gaming podcast. Uh, like we said, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook and at remote gaming at gmail.com. If you have any questions or concerns or want to correct us, tell us how we're doing. Uh, please tell your friends. If you're listening to this, you know, anybody share it at, uh, you know, share us at local video game stores. If you're sitting there talking to people and uh, just tell them if you, if you've heard of us, we want to hear about it. So uh, let us know. Um, like I said, my name is Joseph King, as I'm always. i Kevin I'm, Corkum. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> screwed
1: that no, one up. No, I was jumping in there no matter what. <laughs> yeah, you
0: get that name in there, buddy. Uh, we are Remote Gaming Podcast. We will see you next week.